Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast, where you learn about advanced wealth building strategies from real estate investing to creating massive ROI and secure retirement profits. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, grab a notepad, and lean in. Welcome to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. I'm the Big Mike, Mike Zlatnik, and today it is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome Maria Zandervan. Hi, Maria. Hi, pleasure to be here. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And Maria is a highly accomplished uh, wildlife biologist, CEO, entrepreneur, and a philanthropist. And uh, you have quite a great career in biology, and I'll let you speak a little bit about that. Uh, and then you're also a real estate uh, entrepreneur, uh, and we'll jump to that uh, in just a minute. But before we do that, tell us a little bit about Maria, where you live, your family, kids, cats, pets, whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah, well, um, okay, so starting off, I guess I'm, a, I'm an immigrant. So I came from Sweden originally, moved here when I was nine. And so that's where the uh, name Blue Vikings Capital comes from. That's from my Viking heritage there in Sweden. And also my nonprofit Valhalla Villas, also again with that Nordisk theme. So I actually have a brother who lives in a Viking village. So it's it's a real deal. Very cool, very cool. So yeah, um, I started off like you said as a wildlife biologist, saving endangered species here in Florida, where we have every imaginable critter. Um, some that people consider pretty scary. I think they're all pretty neat. And then uh, just you know, if it flies, slithers, crawls, you know. I've probably worked with it here. So really enjoyed that career. Did that for 26 years. Uh, I still miss it. I still go back. I still do it, actually. Only now I volunteer and uh, do it for free. I don't get paid to do it anymore. But I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Did a lot of prescribed burning, hanging out of helicopters, all sorts of crazy stuff. Great career. But believe it or not, as a biologist working for the state, you don't make a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> and uh, I had a family to think about. So through that whole time period, I was always investing in real estate on the side, primarily single family homes at the time. And then um, I had a, an autistic son, which um, his name's Carl and he's awesome. But throughout his lifetime, I'm thinking, you know, what's next for him? What's next? Is he going to be able to support himself? I really got to scale this real estate thing to make sure that he's going to be okay. If, if I'm not around, you know, need to leave something behind. And so eventually I, I scaled to multifamily because I just couldn't scale fast enough with single family and do a career full time. And it was just faster and easier to scale via multifamily. So I did that both um, buying things on my own, bought some small apartment complexes, eight and 12 units type of deals. And then also invested it as a limited partner in syndications, really loved the passive income stuff. And then when I realized I was making more on my passive income than I was in the single family homes, I'm like, okay, I'm all in with this whole multifamily. And so as uh, the knees started to give out and physically became harder and harder to tromp around the hot woods of Florida here, where it's currently like 101 degrees, um, just decided let's let's make the leap and go full time into real estate. Let's go ahead and and hang up the the forest boots and uh, and do this full time. So that's that's kind of the short of it. When did you make the transition? It's a wonderful journey. Uh, a lot of people have gone through the journey. I had a career in technology too. I made the journey to real estate, and you had a career in wildlife biology, and you uh, transitioned to real estate full time. When did that's you make the transition? Um, went into multifamily. Started looking at it really in two thousand. 18, 2019, I was full in and um, retired shortly thereafter and have been doing that pretty much ever since. 
So how has that journey been for you? Uh, the 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 last few years have been strong, but now things have changed a little bit. The interest rates have gone up, and it's gotten a whole lot harder to make money in the space, at least uh, from you know versus a few years ago. Yeah, well, I think it was harder even before it was, because competition for the deals was so extreme. Like people were paying crazy amounts of money, especially here in Florida. You couldn't find anything above a four cap. It was insane what people were were paying. So. I don't know that there's ever hard or easy times. I think it's just uh, you got to pivot and do things differently. So I haven't slowed down. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying the challenges. You just got to get more creative, look for more owner financing, look for better deals, better spread, Get look for people who are more willing to, uh, to look at reasonable pricing now. So I, I don't think it's that much harder. I think it's just just a different game. That's all. Yeah, and I appreciate that perspective. There's some truth to that, right? When the market cools, you get better deals. When the market is super hot, it's just very hard to get any kind of deals. By the way, where have you been buying your properties? Are they all in Florida? What part of Florida? Um, so I'm in Orlando, but I actually don't have uh, property in Orlando. Well, I have single family homes here still, but more towards Tampa and Bradenton, uh, out that area, is where my personal portfolio sits. As far as syndications go, Carolinas, um, actually got something Columbus, Ohio now, working on something um, in South Dakota of all places. You wouldn't think we'd go there, but uh, sometimes there's some really good deals to be found there. And there's some areas there that are growing really fast, surprisingly fast. So uh, yeah, a little bit all over. It's about finding the right deal that you can underwrite write, um, very conservatively during this market and get some nice fixed rates nothing uh this is not the time you want to be in bridge loans and that sort of thing nothing risky at this time so how do you manage these properties being a, th a thousand miles away or however far they are it's one, one of the biggest challenges for many syndicators that i know in multifamily and other deals is they're in one city and they wind up buying properties kind of far away and it, that, that management is not easy no, no, it's all about having a, a good team, right? So I team up with other people, people that I primarily meet through the masterminds that I'm in. So I'm currently a member of three different masterminds. So you form good relationships with these people. You figure out who the good players are, and you make sure you're teaming up with someone that's got boots on the ground in that particular area. So it's a team sport. And that's the other thing I really loved about multifamily. You know, single family, it's, it's pretty much... A one person show. So you have to be good at all the things, right? You have to be good at acquisitions. You have to be good at property management. You have to be good at funding things and getting the loans, paperwork. You have to do all the things. In multifamily, you can pick one thing that you're good at and find teammates that are good at the other things. So um, yeah, love it. Yeah, it makes sense. Which masterminds, by the way, you, you, you belong to? Just curious. Okay. So I'm in Tim Brott's Legacy Mastermind. The uh, Javier Hinojo's Billion Dollar Boardroom, and then Tim Mai's uh, Capital Raising Alliance, Hero Capital Raising Alliance. Yeah, no, all those guys. So that's <laughs> you're getting a lot of a lot of good education. So that that, that helps. Um, let's switch a little bit about and talk a little bit about your charitable work with um, Valhalla Villas. So uh, talk a little bit about that. It's a nonprofit. It serves the needs of uh, autistic adults. Just uh, tell us a little bit about where it is, where wh where are these properties, and what does the organization uh, do for? Uh, right. Yeah, so folks? this came about. I mentioned my son Carl has autism, so I've got another son too, Alex. He's he's my younger son. He does not have autism, but um, 
as as you're raising a child with special needs, at first you're just worried about getting them through the day to day and getting them through school, and then all of a sudden adulthood hits, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> this is going to be the major part of their life. They're going to be adults far longer than they're going to be children. Are we prepared for this? And um, what happens if something happens to me? Where are they going to live? Who's going to take care of them? Who's going to provide these services that parents generally do? And we all hope that our kids outlive us. That's the goal. And as I talked to more and more parents, everybody had the same concerns, but there wasn't anything really out there for them. So I said, well, I do housing and I know about autism. Let's combine those two. And so that's where that all started, right? So the idea is to provide housing for primarily at this point, it's higher functioning autistic individuals who are kind of on the verge of being able to live independently, but they just need a little bit of, of support, right? Uh, about 50% don't drive, so they need some transportation. They need help getting employed. Employment is a real struggle because they, they struggle with social skills. And it's oftentimes who you know and how likable you are that gets you the job, not necessarily how skilled or intelligent you are, right? So they often need help in that realm. And um, so job coaching is, is part of the equation teaming up with potential partners to help with that. Um, and they suffer greatly from just being very lonely because again, they struggle with social skills. So it's hard to make friends. So being in a community with others like themselves with organized social activities, that sort of thing can also help. And all of that needs to be affordable because again, the job part can be difficult. Sometimes family members are helping to pay. Sometimes they're getting government assistance and sometimes they're able to, to pay for it themselves, but maybe not with the highest paying job. So it's about putting all that together. And we are still a fairly young organization. So we don't actually have anything yet. We don't have a property yet. We have um, three that are coming right now. So one in Bradenton, I mentioned I have some other property there. Uh, we've got a team there that was looking at a ground up development and um, they got an incentive and this is common we're hearing this across the country now and there may be some of your listeners who know of people who are doing this where the county say look we need more affordable housing so they'll let them build more units if they will bring in affordable housing component so in this case they were going to build 96 units the county said hey if you make 25 percent affordable housing we'll let you build 200 units and they said well that's great but they were a little concerned about the types of affordable housing. This was a class A um, development that was happening here. And uh, one of the developers has an autistic child. And he said, well, I'd love to make that 25% for autistic individuals, make it affordable for them. And um, it looks like the county's going to be okay with that. And so we're coming in with Valhalla to provide the services for that 25% there. So that'll probably be the first one that we're doing that way. Um, they're it's also a partnership happening with the University of Central Florida. And we're looking at five acres right next to their campus to do um, our own ground up development there. Uh, so that'll be a bigger percentage of autistic individuals there, probably up to 40%. And then we're also looking at apartment complexes that we can just buy through regular syndication model and slowly convert over the tenant base to include more autistic individuals. And that's something where investors can invest in something that they'll hold forever. So if you're just looking for something that's going to cash flow forever, don't have to find the new deal every five to seven years or whatever, um, but still get your capital back through refinance event, that that might be something of interest to your investors. That's very interesting. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, uh, 
well, call it charitable or nonprofit or uh, just goodwill work to help uh, folks, not just focusing on uh, generating returns for investors. If you can do both in the same project, that is uh, obviously greatly beneficial for the community. So um, thank you for doing that. That's a great uh, that's a great service. And it is not easy to do unless you get some kind of help from the government, because without subsidies, taking some level of the units and turn them into affordable, especially not just affordable, but also special needs. Right. And, and whatever that means, they may need some community uh, services, as you said, some employment services, some transportation and so on. But that's that's really cool. So you're doing that and you're providing some investment opportunities in that um, in that area. So that's how does Blue uh, Viking Capital work? Is that a fund or is it just a, you know, it's a management company and you have some one-off syndications? Um, yeah, it's and- one-off syndications. Uh, we keep toying with the idea of doing a fund. Um, <laughs> I just have not have not pulled the lever on that one yet. Still still mulling it over. There are pros and cons to funds, as I know you know, since you do both. Um, so yeah, we haven't uh, decided to go that route yet. So for now, it's, it's one-off syndications. Understood, no, no, no argument there. So what are you seeing the opportunities? Obviously the market slowed down and you're going into some uh, markets away from, from Tampa. That, that one of the big issues, by the way, I don't know if you're seeing this, uh, and this is not just uh, Florida, but number of markets that get hit with hurricanes, the insurance have been going to the roof. Sky it's gotten, high. <laughs> it's gotten ridiculous. It's, it's, so it's, it's getting harder to even pencil these deals because you don't know what the insurance cost is going to be and then they are skyrocketing. So okay. uh, so are, are you underwriting, are you just going to the markets that don't have that type of risk or um, you kind of just, you need to buy deep enough to uh, to account for that? Yeah, I mean, we're looking at it both ways because um, even markets where you wouldn't think you'd have that risk, the insurance companies are taking advantage of it anyway, simply because they can. So we're seeing it where it doesn't make any sense to to do it. Um, pretty much every one of my properties in Florida, whether it's single family or multifamily, the insurance has doubled in the last two years. In some cases, it's more than doubled. So it's definitely a big hit. So we just assume that going in. Let's just assume whatever the highest number the insurance agency tells us right now, let's assume it's going to double and underwrite it that way. And just if it doesn't make sense at that price, you don't go in. Yeah, that's an interesting different dynamic uh, in your traditional underwriting of a multifamily deal or any commercial deal for that uh, sake. Uh, you typically underwrite for increased taxes. So the property tax get gets reassessed typically either fair market value or sometimes after you transact. After you transact, they can easily reassess fair market value because there's a price, right? That's right. But the insurance was never one of these big concerns where the, the property tax can go up a lot, but will insurance go up a lot? Now it's almost a given. So it's kind of a <laughs> it's an adjustment for this environment. So you, you, you really have to buy deeper. You really have to find the deal that just continues to uh, the numbers still work. And it's 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 a whole lot harder in this environment because the, the rates are up, right? How do you make it work today? Yeah, the rates are definitely up. We I did see something interesting. One of the counties that uh, I have a property in where I'm providing affordable housing, they recognize that there's a higher cost to us because of insurance and therefore our income is less. 
And so they actually decreased our taxes, even though you could argue the value of the property is up because of your NOI. Anyway, um, they, they based the taxes on what our true income was instead of all the weird comps that a lot of the counties do. So because they were so concerned about losing more affordable housing in this county, um, because we could pull out of that program, it's a volunteer program, and, um, and go to the market rents to make up for the difference in the insurance. So they actually worked with us on bringing the taxes down to compensate. So there are places where that will work. And in Florida, they're doing that in some, some areas. Yeah, I appreciate that explanation. That is interesting. Uh, I hear everywhere affordable housing is the way to go as it's in great need and you can get some of these extra benefits if you are considered to be affordable housing project or at least have a portion of affordable housing. Mm -hmm. So what's your outlook for, for the second half of this year of 2023? And uh, um, you're seeing really good deals coming. It's almost like this. The... Everybody talked about recession. Recession hasn't happened yet. And uh, transaction volume dropped. The buyers and the sellers were a different opinion on these properties, especially now. Right? If you are underwriting conservatively, the sellers think they, they still got a jam and you're thinking, wait, wait a minute, the insurance is going to go up, a lot of uncertainty. Um, so how do you find deals? Like, What's your... What, what's your secret sauce today? At least as much as you can talk about it, what, what opportunities you're yeah. looking uh, at and and how uh, how do you know you got a good deal? Yeah, well, I think sellers are starting to realize, although slowly, they're starting slowly to realize that they can't get the prices they could a year ago, right? Um, and some of them are recognizing that if they move faster to a reasonable rate, they won't be catching the falling knife quite as much. So we're seeing a little bit of that. We're also seeing lenders be a little more flexible on some things because they know rates are higher. So they're offering longer interest-only periods, for example. Um, sometimes you have to come in with more money, right? They're not going to do 75% LTV necessarily. They might be at 65 or something like that. So you have to raise some more capital, which of course can decrease your returns, but it makes for a much safer deal. And so it's about also educating your investors about their expectations. You know, they can't expect their money to turn around as fast and to get quite as high returns if they want to be in something safe. If they want to take risks, you know, there are riskier deals out there where you might still be able to get some of the crazy returns we've seen in the last couple of years. But you need to know that you're taking a risk if you're going after those. And so maybe at this point, you need to look at other factors beyond just what's your IRR or your average rate returns. Um, yeah, look at some of those other factors. So, so I think it's a combination of those things, lowering our expectations a little bit, educating sellers on what they can get and working with lenders. And if you can get some seller financing in there to bring down your overall rates, you might be able to make a deal that may not pencil otherwise pencil out for you. So, you know, if the bank's giving you a six and a half, seven percent rate, but the seller's willing to give you two percent for you're averaging those out, that that can make a deal work. So you gotta get a little creative in there. It's not quite as as easy as just go out and get that loan at three percent like we got spoiled with, right? Yeah, great commentary. Really uh, appreciate. So one, what you mentioned, this has been becoming more of a norm, seller financing concept. So, or assumable loans, it's becoming kind of, if you can do it, 
that that's a much better play than a uh, trying to get fresh money for obvious reasons. If if a seller had a a, a greater a bridge loan, and you can assume or whatever or, or fixed fixed rate financing, you can assume that you're in better shape. And seller financing is obviously a wonderful idea too, if uh, that helps uh, to get the deal to a finish line. But the other thing you mentioned, um, I, I really appreciate that underwriting more conservatively and taking lower leverage. This has kind of been the the modus operandum in this environment uh, and resetting expectation with investors and educating them that the aggressive underwriting of the past actually blew up on, or is blowing up on some folks. And when it's happening, uh, when it happens, investors get burned. And the, the, uh, the feeling of... Um, perfection, the feeling of not being able to lose is all gone. In fact, uh, the, the pendulum is swinging all the way to the other side where investors are looking for more downside protection, more safety. So if you can, can communicate that message to them, uh, it becomes more of an interesting proposition. So I, I certainly concur with your thought process to reduce leverage and to set more conservative return expectations just because that's the norm today. So that's, that's a that's a great, uh, great set of thoughts and um, definitely love it. So appreciate you sharing that. Uh, what else? What else is, uh, what other opportunities you're seeing? So besides making these adjustments, are you, do you have anything on the contract right now? Are you working on anything uh, at this stage? Uh, you have anything? Like, I'm just curious because we, we, we are out there. We're seeing and it's, yeah. it's slower. We're trying to be more careful. The other opportunities that are probably coming, as you mentioned, are people who maybe did a little riskier deals, right? So staying in communications with some of the people that you may have, you know, maybe got into a, a, a bridge loan with interest rates and they haven't been able to refi out, you might be able to come in and, and essentially save them, right? So you're doing them a favor by making sure their their investors don't lose their money or all their money. And um, you might be able to pick up a good deal at the same time, right? Um, it They're not gonna get the returns they were hoping for for their investors, but they're not gonna lose money either. So I think those are some opportunities that are gonna be knocking on the door here shortly. Whether or not we're going into recession, I mean, it seems like everybody's arguing about that. Everyone says, well, we are gonna go, but some people say it's tomorrow and some economists are saying, well, it's happening in three years. This is a slow progression. So I don't have a crystal ball on that one. Yeah, you, you kind of, uh, it's funny you, you mentioned this. I, I even recorded a short, recorded a short video today uh, called um, um, Where's the Promised Re uh, Recession, Economic Recession. <laughs> it, it's been, it's we've been waiting for it, but it hasn't happened yet. And it's it's a bizarre state of mind. or, or it, It's both state of mind and state of reality that the it hasn't happened, although uh, I, I still believe that it will happen. Just delayed, just delayed into second, uh, probably, 2024 at some point uh but yeah who knows right it's a crystal ball uh, exercise but that and and the other thing you mentioned it actually makes a lot of sense we've already done some of these deals this rescue capital this is especially with the folks you know like and trust and they are capable of just running out of cash because of uh sort of high interest rate uh it's 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 happening it's either capital call to investors or going to fresh investors and Rescue, asking for rescue capital. So yes, you're absolutely right. That's the land of opportunity. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on a podcast. Any final thoughts, comments, good book to read? Uh, and final, how would folks reach out? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, a good book to read is, is my new book. I just put out a, a new book. It's a short book for people who are just getting into this world, but it's called Choosing Your First Passive Real Estate Investment, a step-by-step guide. And I offer that on my website. So bluevikingscapital.com. If somebody wants a quick and easy read about how to get started in this, and it goes over some of those safety things you really want to look at. There's five main components there on how to be safe in investments right now, because I know a lot of people are hesitant but you do not want to have your money sitting in a savings account right now with inflation going on because you are losing money every day that it sits there. So you do want to put it somewhere, but you do want to make it sure it's safe and uh, maybe just have more realistic expectations on what you can get, but you do not want to settle for savings account rates. I appreciate the thought. Uh, I, I would add that comment as a short uh, solution. The, the, the savings accounts are paying much better yields, right? From that perspective, people are parking cash in savings and, and treasuries. But on a long-term basis, uh, there are better opportunities than keeping your money in cash or savings accounts. So I agree with that. Appreciate your wisdom and your sharing and your charitable work. And obviously your work with the uh, wildlife and and and, and helping uh, birds and animals and, and, and all that stuff. Again, bluevikingcapital.com. I assume that's the website. That's correct. Yeah. Blue Vikings with an S. Blue Vikings with an S, capital.com. Thank you, Maria, very much. Appreciate you coming on a podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful journey in both real estate and uh, whatever volunteering work you're doing with the uh, autistic children and wildlife. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to the Big Mike Fun Podcast. To receive your copy of Mike's How to Choose a Smart Real Estate Fun Book, head to BigMikeFun.com or visit Amazon and type Mike's slot name. Keep listening and keep investing Big Mike style. See you on the next episode.